0: correct. Um, It's been a three-week series and this is one of those messages I just get to preach, man. Um, This is a message that is in my gut, in my heart, um, that I'm just looking forward to speaking on. So if you are an amen -er, if you are a clapper, if you're a hooper or a hollower, um, go for it. Now, if you're a marcher with banners, don't do that. Um, We're not a banner church. Um, But um, as long as you, yeah, as long as you aren't losing your mind, we're great with it. So i'm hoping i have a third service, a voice for third service because yeah um today i want to talk to you about the title of my message is with a patient on a boat slip with a patient on a boat slip our text is found in acts chapter 27 verse 13 through 26 and it says this when a light wind began blowing from the south the sailors thought they could make it And we talked about that last week so they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of crete but the weather changed abruptly And a wind of typhoon strength, called the Northeaster, burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. We sailed along the sheltered side of a small island named Kata, where with great difficulty we hoisted aboard the lifeboat being towed behind us. Then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship, to strengthen it they were afraid of being driven across to the sandbars of Sirtis off the African coast so they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship and were driven before the wind the next day as gale force winds continued to batter the ship the crew began throwing the cargo overboard the following day they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard the terrible storm raged for many days blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. No one had eaten for a long time. I don't understand that sentence in the Bible. Um, That has never happened. Um, No one had eaten for a long time. And finally Paul called called the crew together. And said, Men, you have listened to me. You should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. And I'm thinking to myself, maybe this isn't such a great I told you so moment, Paul, but he did it. Um, But take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the Lord, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me. And he said, do not be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. Okay. <laughs> There's not a whole lot of comfort in that. And and here's what I want to talk about today. Um, We talked about what do you do the first week when just uh, the storms of life just happen abruptly out of nowhere. What do you do when you're taken off guard? Uh, Last week we talked about how not to be your own worst enemy and today I want to talk to you about what not to do in the middle of the storm, what not to do. In the middle of a storm, because I think if we can learn what not to do, man, it can help us greatly when it comes to when life gets hard and when life gets difficult. Because here's what I can tell you, just like Paul said, oh, we're going we're gonna to wreck, right? We are going to be marooned on the island and the ship is going to crash. That is going to happen. What I can tell you about your life and my life is there's going to be hard moments, Right There's going to be difficult moments. Jesus said, you're going to face many trials and tribulations. There are going to be moments where you don't understand. And if we can learn what not to do, because a lot of us, we lose our minds, right? We just lose it when everything is being lost. And we're like, I don't know what's going on, right? And we just, we lose our minds. So if we can learn what not to do, hopefully we land in learning what we should do. And the first thing I would tell you about what not to do when you're in the middle of the storm is don't give up in the middle of it. Don't give up in the middle of it. Acts 27, verse 17, there's a very interesting scripture that I've read past many times. It says this, Then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it, And as I read that, I've never thought anything about it. I started reading my study notes as I knew I was going to be preaching over this text a lot. And what this means is that the sailors actually passed ropes underneath the ship to strengthen the ship. Because it felt like it was going to come apart. Right? And and there were some things that the sailors couldn't control. They couldn't control where the wind was going to blow them. All of a sudden, the storm blew them to a place that they didn't want to go. But one thing that they could do, they could tend their ropes they could tend to the ship, they could strengthen what they were in. Even though they were gonna wreck, even though they were gonna crash, they didn't just throw their hands up in the middle of it and say, what's the use? Why why should I even try? Why should I even attempt anymore? It is what it is. I hate that saying, right? It is what it is. I hate that. Well, it just is what it is. Justin, it is what it is, right? And and, and that's what we do a lot of times when it comes to situations, when it comes to circumstances, is that we just throw up our hands and we're just like, why should I even try? This is just who I'm going to be. Why, Why should I even try? This is just the way the situation is going to play out why should i even don't even try son don't even try daughter because this is just how our family operates and some of you are facing what some of us call generational curses and it's being spoken about you and over you by your parents and your grandparents and this is just who we are and this is what we do and we throw our hands up and say well this is just my lot And what I have found is this, is that when we are experiencing storms and when we are experiencing hard times and when we're going through things we didn't want to go through and when we're going through things that are really difficult and we're confused and we're angry and we're hurting, the beginning of it shocks us. The beginning of us takes the wind out of our, it's like knocking the breath out of you. And the end of the situation, and the end of the storm, you're almost relieved that finally it's over with but it's the middle that gets us it's the middle where the waves are pounding our lives where where we're dealing with situation after situation and it feels like the hits just keep coming our way. And we can never get ahead. And we could just feel like we're barely staying afloat. It's in the middle. We get weary and we get tired and we get confused and we get disoriented that we have to not throw up our hands in the middle of it and give up and just say it is what it is. This is just who I am. This is just who I'm going to be. But we tend our ropes and we wrap the ropes around the whole of our lives and we do what we can do. And if you're at the place you are watching online or you're we're here, hear me today. Man, fight till you can't fight anymore. Work till you can't work anymore. Praise till you can't praise anymore. While you still got time, do what you can do and tend to your robes because God's still with you in the midst of the storm. And some of us were here and we say, but but, Justin, you don't understand my marriage. You, we, we, There's already been papers that have been sent out. There's been infidelity that is happening. She has said horrible things. He has said horrible things. Hear me, I have walked with people to the brink of divorce, but because one spouse did not give up, because one spouse kept fighting why they could fight and kept tending to the ropes and kept doing what they could do and kept praying and kept fighting and kept working instead of just throwing their hands up, they're still married, they've got kids, they're running after the dreams because they didn't quit in the middle of it. There's some of you that financially, you're just like, I'm ruined. I don't know how I'm ever gonna come back from this. I don't know how I'm just barely keeping my head above. Don't throw up your hands in the middle of the situation. Don't wait for the government to send out more bailout checks, but work where you're at. Fight where you are. Keep trusting the Lord and watch what the Lord will do. Some of you are addicts in this place. Some of you, you have battled pornography since you've been a teenager. Some of you, you have battled substance abuse and you just say, this just is who I am. This, it's like you take one step forward and two steps backward and you just think, I'm just always going to be an addict. I will never get free. Substance abuse, pornography is just going to be part of my journey. It's going to be part of my ship. It's going to be part of what is on. Man, keep working where you're at. Don't tell Nate Gormley that you can't get free. He celebrated five years of being free just this week. Don't tell me that you can't get free, that you can't get redeemed, that you have to be an addict. No, 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 no. Keep tending the ship. Some of you, you have kids. And you can't even talk to them without it blowing up. Just that you don't even know how to approach them. You haven't talked in years. You haven't talked in months. Or it's just very surface talking and your heart is broken. And you don't know what to do. And some of you, the tendency is for you just to say, I don't know what to do. And I'm just going to give up. Because it seems like everything I do just brings more damage. It just brings more destruction. Don't you give up. Man, you keep fighting. You keep fighting till you can't fight anymore. You keep rowing till you can't row anymore. You keep tending your ropes, and you keep praying over that kid, and you keep having hard conversations, and you keep loving, and you keep declaring, and you keep interceding in prayer for that child because it's not over. But Justin, the dream doesn't look like anything. Like my reality doesn't look anything like what I thought the dream would look like. September 12th we will celebrate here at Foundations Church our 13th year. Let me say this I'm more excited about where we are 13 years later than I was even our first year and I was really excited our first year But this time 13 years ago This time the dream the reality looked nothing like the dream right I was working I was a barista at Starbucks I worked the 4.30 a.m. shift so that I could work the afternoons on church. I, 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 the dream was not to be a barista. Like I have, if that's your dream, that's awesome. That was not my dream. My dream was not to learn how to make a frappuccino with a rose petal, and I don't care what it looks like, right? My dream was not how to brew coffee. My dream was not how to learn how to make all the stupid frappuccinos that are out there. That wasn't my dream. (laughs) My dream was not to clean toilets my dream was not to do dishes. My dream was not to take out the garbage. But this was the reality where I was. And do you know what I did? I didn't walk out on the dream because the reality didn't look like it. I tended to my ropes and I worked where I was. Then if I'm going to make coffee, I'm going to make the best coffee I can. If I'm going to make Frappuccinos, I'm going to make the best Frappuccinos I am. Man, you may not like where you are, but if you will own it and if you will work where God has you, sling that coffee, sling those cows cappuccinos. cappuccinos take out the garbage with a good attitude clean the toilets like nobody else has cleaned them and watch the dream become a reality but don't you give up don't you throw your hands up because it's getting rough and it feels overwhelming dear God if the dream that God has planted inside of you is ever going to become a reality there is going to be overwhelming moments but fear not because he is with you and if he is for you who can be against you there is something God wants to do But here's the challenge, to keep what's happening around you from getting in you. To keep what's happening around you, the storm around you, the the waters around you, the waters of negativity, the waters of discouragement, the waters of pessimism, the waters of depression, of listening to the rumors, of listening to what everybody else is saying about you, from not allowing that to get in here. Because what sinks a ship is not the water around it, it's when the water gets inside it. And can I tell you, there's some of you that if you allow the outside elements that you can't control to get inside and set into your attitude, that's going to be what sinks you. It's not that you can't handle it. It's not that God's not working in your dream. It's, like, it's that you let something get inside of you that never belonged there in the first place. Here's what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 17. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through Him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. If you are nervous about the condition of our world this past week, fear not, because God's got it all under control. Everything was created through Him and for Him. He existed before anything else, and He holds all creation together. Can I tell you, God is holding your life all together. And it's not about you keeping it all together. It's about you doing the work you can and keep trusting. But his job is to hold all creation together, and he is with you. But what do you do when you've tended your ropes, when you've done all you can, and you are still wrecked? Right? Because the sailors did all that. They were throwing gear over. They were tying the hull up and passing ropes underneath the ship. They were tending to the ropes. And Paul said, oh, you can do all you want, but buddies, we're going to still wreck. The ship's going down, right? Like it's going down. What do you do? I have a little help with this sermon from my buddy Chad Craig. Chad has a boat that is named With a Patient says this, so if I'm fishing and you get a call and, I, and you call and I can, and I can get off, the, I can, hold on. So if I'm fishing and you call, I can get off the phone by saying sorry, I'm with a patient, right? It works. <laughs> it says I got that from a pastor who named his boat visitation. Now Chad, I will tell you, I named my bed in Bible college prayer. So if people are like, where were you? I'd just be like, man, I was in prayer. Why weren't you in chapel? I was in prayer, right? Like, just, what's going on, I'm, I'm in prayer. The short version to this picture that is popping up right now is this. A boat's not supposed to look like that right now. We are backing up the boat to the ramp like normal. I have a system much like a pre-flight with an airplane that I do on the boat. I walk through that, and for some reason today, rather than what I normally do, I went ahead and unhooked the boat before I backed the boat into the water. Sheree and I have a pattern that we do. I back the boat up while she waits, and we have the other people preload onto the boat. As I backed up, I could see in the mirror that the boat slowly, but ever so slowly, slid off the trailer, and the next thing I knew, I was seeing the bottom of the boat. Can you imagine? I caught it as it was sliding off and simply stopped, and the result is what you see in the picture. At that point, I got out and assessed the situation. I bet you did. Now, you need to understand that as I was backing up, there was a group of Boy Scouts to the side of the ramp who were learning to work canoes. There was also a fishing tournament that was coming in for their weigh-in, and many of the fishermen were not exactly excited that I was using half the ramp and had blocked it off. So I had the Boy Scout group and their leaders who came and assessed my situation, and I quickly grabbed one of the leaders and asked him if he could help me maintain my composure. My wife, knowing the look that I had on my face, had taken our family and moved them to the side just to be out of the way (laughs) (laughs) and give me space. I'm going to just keep reading. The Boy Scout leader asked me what I thought would be the best approach, and I told him, I think I could take a tow rope that I had in my truck and connected to the front of the boat along with the crank rope and I might be able to simply crank the boat back onto the trailer if I had some back pressure from someone in my truck. I asked him to get in my truck and ever so slightly put the truck in reverse to create that back pressure as I connected the ropes and prepared to crank the boat back on possibly. While I was doing this, One of the Boy Scouts who I estimate to be about 13 years old who also had a light vest on, a safety night, an emergency light, a compass, and various other paraphernalia for survival, approached me and mentioned that he did not think that the fulcrum of the boat would be in the proper position for me to be able to crank without (laughs) causing potential problems. Now at this point, I wanted to take his fulcrum and shove it where the sun doesn't shine. But alas, I didn't. I simply replied, thank you, and asked him to move out of the way while maintaining my composure. This was a complete move of God. From there, the Boy Scout leader and I were able to back the trailer up while I cranked with full effort, and we cranked the boat back on the trailer. The motor had been elevated, so there was no damage to it. I inspected the bottom of the boat since it had scraped on the cement, but there wasn't very much damage to an aluminum boat. We reassessed the situation and decided that the damage was very little and that we would still be able to go boating. This time, while backing the boat in, I kept the tow rope engaged. We got the boat in and did our normal unloading procedure and went and spent the afternoon with family, enjoying a very good day of boating and having some pictures to remember the experience. It still floats. And here's what I love about this moment, right? The boat slides off. Nobody's anticipating this. It's an embarrassing situation. Chad didn't just take off with his trailer and just leave the boat there he didn't throw his hands up like well it's never gonna be the same he didn't just get mad he didn't just get upset I'm sure he was mad and upset but he didn't just stay there and say this isn't fair this no you know what he did he came up with a strategy and he got cranking and he got to working and he saw that there was some bruises and some dings and some scratches but that boat is still fulfilling the purpose it just has a great story with it and there are some of you you have some scratches and dings to your life it didn't go as you thought it was gonna go but can I tell you you're still floating there's still purpose to your life there's still a story that God wants us you may have wrecked but there's still a story that can come out of your wreck and purpose that can come out of where you are in life and if that is going to happen hear me on this don't let something or someone convince you a temporary situation is a permanent place don't let someone or something convince you that a temporary situation is a permanent place Paul. was marooned on the island for three months. Three months. And in three months, he keeps ministering, he keeps teaching, he keeps preaching, he keeps leading, he keeps directing, he keeps being used to see lost people become found people. He is used to see healing and miracles happen on this island, and people are coming to Jesus even though it's not a place Paul wants to be. But can I tell you what didn't happen? Paul didn't build a home where he was temporarily going to be. Paul didn't build a permanent residence for a temporary situation. And some of us, excuse me, some of us have allowed other people, have allowed situations to tell you, this is just who you are. Some of you have allowed situations and circumstances to say, this is just how it's going to be. But as you read the Bible, Psalms 23 says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't say that I stay there, that I camp out there. It says, I am walking through through the valley of the shadow of death. Can I tell you, some of you, you have camped and you have stayed where you have meant to keep walking and you have allowed temporary situations and people that don't have your best in mind to try to let a situation and a circumstance and a photograph and a photo snapshot try to define the rest of your life. And the best thing you can do is keep walking through your valley. You just keep walking through the hard times. You keep walking through your island. You keep ministering on your island. You keep seeing the miraculous happen. on your island. It may not be where you want to be, but can I tell you, God does great things using temporary situations to bring people's purpose out of it. Man, if you look through the Bible, you look at Abraham. Abraham was a hundred years old, a hundred years old before Isaac was ever born. A hundred years of moving through a valley of a shadow of death. Doubt, fear, anxiety that the dream and the promise that God had spoken to him wasn't going to come about. But at a hundred years old abraham finally sees the promise come to fruition and some of you have been waiting for it to get better some of you have been just waiting to see life and see a light at the end of the tunnel and what i can tell you is if you can just keep walking and not camp out someplace and not feel sorry for yourself but understand i'm at an island i wasn't planning on to be so what can i do there god will still be faithful to you. You look at David who was anointed king and then he runs for his life for 16 years after he is anointed to be the next guy. Hasn't done anything wrong. Hasn't done anything that he should be punished for. And yet Saul out of jealousy makes David the number one fugitive. He ruins his reputation. He ruins his character. He makes rumors about. And David is fleeing in caves and he is fleeing before his enemies. He's having to act like a bad man doing whatever he can do to run for his life. And yet he did not let his status become his identity. The status of a moment was not who this man after God's own heart became. He decided that he was going to continue to go after what God had called him to go after. Can I tell you, there's a guy named Joseph. And Joseph was sold by his brothers in slavery. His dad and brothers thought he was long and gone. Some of them thought that he was dead. He was accused of rape by Potiphar's wife. And all of a sudden, God keeps bringing things and using things to bring it into full motion. And he had some scratches, and he had some dings, and he had some nicks and bruises. And he encounters his brothers as the vice president of Egypt. And he says this to them, what you intended to harm, what you intended to use for harm, God used for good the saving of many lives. And there are some people that have tried to take you out and ruin your reputation, there are situations, that have tried to take you out and ruin your destiny. And if you can just keep following, and if you can just keep moving through your valley, you may not understand it. You may not like it. You may not want to be there. But if you can choose to thrive and tend to your ropes, what if other people meant to harm you, what other people meant to destroy you, to destroy your reputation, to destroy your character, that situation that tried to take you out, you're saying, God, I am just moving through this valley. And I understand you You still have goodness, and you still have greatness, and you are leading me to a place that the very thing that tried to harm me, you will redeem for good if I will just keep walking and moving. Don't you dare stay somewhere that's only a temporary place. Don't stay. but Realize your purpose is still afloat. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5. I end with this says this, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they can help us develop endurance. I tell you, your trial, your storm, your shipwreck, the good news is it's developing something in you. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope, will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. And hear me today, there is hope that God is birthing and he is developing that if you will keep moving, And you will keep trusting even though your life feels wrecked even though you feel in the storm if you will keep tending your ropes and it may be bruised and it may be battered and you may be scratched up and dinged up but if you will keep following the Lord he will use this moment he will use the storm he will use the shipwreck to continue to develop you into who he's calling you and wanting you to be so that there can be ministry that comes out of the very storm and shipwreck of your life and that's the hope that we grab onto, is that God's not done, and he has not yielded his authority or power over your life and your situation. And because of that, we have hope that we can survive the storm and we can thrive even where others and ourselves have been wrecked and that there can be good that actually comes out of it that we never, ever imagined. Man, learn. Keep moving. Don't give up in the middle of it, but keep tending to your ropes. Let's pray today. Lord, we love you. And God, I pray right now that in this place today, you would move, that you would minister to lives today. Because Lord, there's some of us that that we're right in the middle of it. Everything is falling apart. It feels like things are are getting ready to break apart. But Lord, I pray instead of giving up, instead because the reality doesn't look anything like the dream, God, I pray that we would tend our ropes. Lord, that we would keep working, that we would keep fighting that we would keep trying, that we would keep trusting, that we would keep residing in you. And Lord, we would not stop some place that is temporary, that we would not let temporary hardship, that we would not let temporary situations become the defining moment of our life. But we would realize that you use those moments, Lord Jesus, just to become part of our story. And that's the hope we have. That, Lord, even when there's moments and even when there's things that is happening, and, and, Lord, we don't understand it, we don't see the why behind it, that, Lord, if we would just keep trusting, you're developing something in it. You're developing something in us through that. So, Lord, I pray that our hearts and our minds and our eyes would be focused on you today. We wouldn't follow after everybody else, but we would play for an audience of one, and we would follow after you. And we realize even in the midst of not understanding even in the midst of heartbreak and hurt that we can still trust you because you're still in control even when it seems like everything's out of control Lord you're still with us and you're still in the boat with us that can calm the sea at any moment but even if the sea doesn't calm and even if it wrecks you still bring purpose out of that moment you still redeem that moment so Lord let our peace And let our confidence not be on the situation we find ourselves in, but in the Savior we have a relationship with. It's in Jesus' name I pray today. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today, you say, Justin, I'm here today, and I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here, and where you're at, it's not where you should be. We want to give you a chance to change that. And i'm going to count to three and all i want you to do is raise your hand and we're going to lead you in a prayer that will change your life one two three is there anyone here today you said, justin that's me that's me and there's a change that needs to happen there's one there's two is there anyone else you join these two hands that are lifted before we go any further in this service today can i tell you nothing gets better by you pretending it's not bad there's another hand there's another hand there's four hands is there anyone else Nothing gets better by you pretending it gets better. But things only get better when you come to a place where you confess and you admit, you know what, I'm not where I should be. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and join these four hands that are lifted across this place before we go any further. Yeah, I see your hand. Is there anyone else? I see your hand. Is there anyone else? You join these six hands that are lifted. Is there anyone else before we go any further in service today? You just say, man, that's me. It's where I'm at. There's no shame in that. It's okay not to be okay. It's just not okay to stay there. And you say, there's a change that needs to happen in my life today, man. Make the best decision you can and join these six other individuals. Is there anyone else? If you raise your hand, whether you are here in this place or you're watching at home online, would you just repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart? Jesus, I come before you today, and I confess that I've sinned. I confess that I've messed up but I ask for your forgiveness. God, I turn away from the life that I was living, I repent of it, and I turn to you. And I grab hold of the life you have for me, Jesus Christ. I ask that your grace and love would enter my life. I confess you, Jesus, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days.